Welcome to the Theology of the Buddy, a podcast for Catholics who love the beauty of the Church's sacred tradition. This is episode 69. My name is Chris, and I'm joined by my jocular co-hosts, Mike and Brooke. If you are somebody who's looking to grow in new ways in their faith, connect with other faithful Catholics who are committed to helping you grow closer to our blessed Lord, or simply looking for other Catholic voices who are willing to speak the truth without compromise, but still have a little fun along the way, you've come to the right place. We're not experts, but have learned a lot collectively over the 15 plus years we have been friends in the faith, and we want to share those nuggets of truth with you. So if you aren't yet subscribed, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you are listening to ensure you get the best Catholic candid conversations delivered to you every week. While you're at it, don't forget to follow us on social media so you can keep up to date with all of the great content we are sending out. All of our past episodes and show notes can be found at theologyofthebuddy.com. Today on our podcast, we're returning to our liturgical breakdown series. However, we're doing something a little different this time. We're taking a little bit of a side journey, a uh, detour, to talk about the Rorate Celi Mass held during the Advent season. And for those who are in our parish community, it's coming to Holy Angels Parish in St. Thomas, Ontario on December 5th at 6.30 a.m. This is one of our favorite Masses of the year, and we thought we'd dive into the history beauty, and symbolism of this Mass. But before we do, let's check in and see how Brooke's Christmas decorating is going. How's it going, Brooke? How's it going, Brooke? I have not been doing Christmas decorating, guys. It's not even Advent. I've just simply put up a couple of wreaths made of winter greenery, and I put them all over the place, and some sparkly spheres in vases with pine cones but there are no santas there's no christmas tree there's no nativity scene i haven't listened to any christmas music not true (laughs) (laughs) the only christmas music i listened to was the christmas music that mike turned on mike went under it mike you have betrayed us. What song was it, Mike? Um, Jingle Bells? No, it was Oh Come All Ye Faithful. Michael. Was it? Yep. Um, You're like, this song, legit no, Christmas song. it was God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. Oh, yeah. You're like, this is a legit Christmas song. Yeah, because I was listening to the August Burns Red uh, Sledden album. Mm. Yeah. Which is an instrumental album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the question is, is it I truly... Know, I heard on some random podcast that there were no rubrics about what music I could listen to in my house. So... <laughs> Honestly, guys, we got almost a foot of snow today. Mm-hmm. So we turned on some like wintry music and it was just the, it was just the perfect weekend for us to put up some of the greenery before we put the box up in the attic. For for that the record, all. I'm I'm absolutely certain it's because you were conjuring up this like winter spell. You rolled a d20 and like this is what happens. 
Thanks a lot. Chris, Mark. it's going to be like 10 degrees on Thursday. Doesn't yeah. matter. Ontario, Ontario just crit failed their save against Rick's <laughs> Christmas spell. <laughs> Winter yeah. spell. Hmm. Yeah. It's a cold spell. Ooh, from Colorado. Col- Colorado. 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 <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing right now i don't Why know it's been a night guys guys it's, it's, dude it's been it's been hilarious today like it nothing has gone right before the podcast started we spent a half an hour trying to figure out sound didn't work um and like today before mass uh julie and i were planning you know what we're gonna go to confession before mass you know we were all rear and ready to go and then like our dogs just just exploded in the k in their uh kennel and so had to clean up that had to clean up all the dogs and then like i'm reaching out to get my my gloves out of the closet and there's like you know those like kids bubbles those bottles of kids bubbles it just uh-huh. falls out randomly out of the closet everywhere <laughs> like and we're just like we're not making it to confession like we're just not wow. making it so yeah we and we walked in like i don't know like after after the asparagus like it was we've done that before yeah. Wow. That's rough. Yeah. It was. It Next was time crazy. you plan to go to confession, you better get your uh, deliverance prayers out first. No kidding. No kidding. Wow. So it's been a day, y'all. It has been a day. I don't mean to be the melancholic on the podcast again. I, I know that's generally Brooke's job. So I apologize. Yeah. That's good because we all know you're a sanguine. So. <laughs> Right. right. I'm not saying when Chris is twirling his hair, but do you think I'm cute? <laughs> More like a penguin. <laughs> seen him walk in the winter. <laughs> Have you seen me walk, period? Yeah. <laughs> so uh let's let's uh let's get back on track. So today we're talking about the Rarate Chili Mass. And I know we're in the spirit of throwing Brooke under the Christmas bus. Um, there's only two people on this podcast under the sleigh. Under the sleigh. <laughs> ho ho squish. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I know that there's only two people on this podcast who have been to Rarate Chili Mass. Is that that's true, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So first of all, this is your chance, Brooke. Make it happen. This is your year. I am not waking my kids up at 5.30. Could you imagine? You're effeminate. Kind of. <laughs> Could you imagine trying to get Evie out the door and fed in half an hour? It takes her like 45 minutes to eat a bowl of craft dinner. Yeah, she's really slow. But you know what? Mm, our lady would make sure she made it. Why don't mm-hmm. you do it? Okay. Okay. Oh, here we go. Everybody on the podcast, you you're hearing it now. Mike has been placed with the responsibility of getting the children ready and taking them to a Roate Chili Mass at 6 30 a.m. in the dead of winter. I know you can't do that. Don't test them. 
<laughs> Look at those eyes. Those are yeah. eyes filled with determination. I was going to wake him up even earlier and bring him with me. Yeah, he's oh he's like you got to get him fed. No, they have to fast. They have to fast before mass. That's what real Catholics yeah. do. Come yeah. on, Brick. Yeah, we'll eat yeah, after. after mass. Yeah, we'll celebrate after. <laughs> yeah, we'll get breakfast sa- breakfast sandwiches, Brooke, afterwards. Honestly, if they were just a bit older, Mm-mm. I would consider it. Yeah, there are families that are like totally, totally bringing their like small children to mass. I'm so happy for them. <laughs> Great. I'm so happy. This is... This is theology of the okay. buddy. This is the true theology of the buddy where it's like, let's, let's throw each other under the bus and just have a little fun. <laughs> Brooke is not having fun. <laughs> okay. Well, let's take her, uh, the remains of Brooke out from under the sleigh yeah. and get back to Rorate Chaley. Yeah. What is Rorate Chaley, Chris? Yeah. What is this mass? So according to the FSSP website, uh, I'm going to just read a bunch of quotes and we'll just do a little bit of commentary because they word it better than I could. So, um, the Rorate Celli Mass is a traditional Advent devotion wherein the Mass of the Blessed Virgin Mary for Advent is offered just before dawn. In many instances, um, families and individuals travel an hour or more, rising rising and arriving very early for this stunningly beautiful mass, Brooke. This, the interplay of light and darkness speak to the meaning of Advent and the coming of the light of the world. So a couple really special features of this mass is that it's lit only by candlelight. Um, and um, because it is a votive mass in, um, in Mary's honor, white vestments are worn instead of the advent violet. So yeah, it's, it is by far, I think the most stunning visually, the most stunning mass of the church's year. It is certainly not, not as powerful as Easter or the Easter vigil, but it is certainly like, if you're gonna if you're gonna bring a Catholic or a Catholic that's maybe never been to the TLM before and you want them to experience the beauty of the traditional Latin Mass, I think the Rorate Celli Mass is a beautiful way to introduce someone. Like, what do you think, Mike? Yeah, definitely. It also has some of the best chants. I think. Mm-hmm. Like, the propers are just beautiful. Chris and I were practicing them today after Mass. We're recording on Sunday, so and in two weeks we're going to be chanting for the Rorate Chaley. So we're practicing, and man, we were just reminded how uh, how beautiful they are. Yeah, yeah. Last year I had been practicing for it, but I, Julie, and I had our son John like just a few days before, <laughs> so uh, it uh, it was actually. Uh, a powerful experience walking in there with like no hours sleep <laughs> on that, uh, that beautiful Saturday morning. And, you know, you just come in and you see this beautiful church lit by candles and uh, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. What's cool, especially 
with regards to the Mass itself. So the readings and the prayers of the Mass foretell specifically the prophecy of the Virgin who would bear a son called Emmanuel and call on all to raise the gates of their hearts in their societies to let Christ the King enter, asking for the grace to receive eternal life by the merits of the incarnation and saving resurrection of our Lord. So, yeah, I love... I love the mass itself. I mean, just the, the the beauty of it, but there's so much richness in this specific mass and the readings. And yeah, the Rorate Celi come specifically from the the introit, right, Mike? Yeah, from Isaiah, I think it's 45. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's just that one line pulled out, right? basically asking let the heavens rain down righteousness like yeah. the dew yeah or rain down the just one is uh is another translation mm-hmm. yeah it's absolutely beautiful yeah that one kind of uh signifies the incarnation more clearly mhm yeah so yeah the the versicle is rerate celi de super et nubis pluant justum drop down dew ye heavens from above and let the clouds rain the just one and then the response is aperiator terra at germinat salvatorem let the earth be opened and send forth a savior it's beautiful it's beautiful so it obviously the church has called it a rerate mass taking it that that name from um, the opening words of the introit there. But this isn't the only time during Advent where this is mentioned, right? So the text is often uh, used during the during different masses throughout Advent, um, as well as the divine office. Um, it's used in in that as well. Do you want yeah. to talk about the gospel? There's a lot of cool stuff going on with that. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that. The uh so the gospel for Verate Chaley Mass is the Annunciation. And uh, yeah, there's so many cool things about it. It's the reason why it used to be called um, the Golden Mass. Um, this is a cool little tidbit I found out. Um, in old liturgical books, a lot of them, the uh, gospel of the Annunciation used to have its first letters outlined in gold leaf just that's in cool. honor of the Annunciation. That's so cool. And yeah, so people picked up on that and called it the Golden Mass. And uh, yeah, because it was such a uh, special feast day for Our Lady, there used to be a lot of um, popular devotion for people to come and pray um, for their intentions, put their intentions before Our Lady at this particular Mass. So that, along with all the visuals and stuff, kind of contributes to its popularity right from kind of the Middle Ages on. The other thing that's kind of cool that I found out when researching for this podcast was um, in in the East and in a lot of other rites, there's traditions of um, celebrating the Annunciation right before Christmas. Mm. And on the Sundays of Advent, you don't hear this gospel, but the church kind of supplies it. It, I think it occurs on the Ember Wednesday, 
but it kind of supplies a mass where people come and hear this gospel with the Rorate Chaley. So kind of popularizes that linking the incarnation with the nativity of our Lord. Right. Right. Speaking of that connection with the Annunciation. So yeah, it's known as a Rorate Mass. It's known as the Golden Mass. Um, it's also known as the Angelic Mass because of the fact that it opens with Misus est Angelus Gabriel. Uh, the angel Gabriel was sent. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, it's really, I mean, it's so beautiful and so rich. So yeah. Just another couple couple tidbits that I found interesting as well. So, um, and kind of building off of what you were saying. So, according to Ordo Romanus, uh, the fifteenth uh, from the eighth century, the Rorate Mass was said on the seven days preceding Christmas. Uh, another tradition is to celebrate this Mass on the nine consecutive days prior to prior to Christmas, uh, called the. Uh, celebratio noventialis misarum. I'm, I'm terrible at Latin. Please forgive me, Nicholas Job. Um, uh, yeah, so it's essentially a novena of golden masses, which is cool. That's neat. Yeah. Um, it was especially popular in, in Italy. Did either of you guys find out the uh, origin date? I was really curious as to when it just kind of, when it started. No? That document Chris mentioned, I think, is the earliest reference to it. And that was the 8th century. 8th century, okay. Yeah. Uh, I was listening to census, a Census Fidelium um, podcast. I don't know which priest was speaking. It was a homily. But he was saying a lot of different cultures claimed certain aspects to how the Mass was um I don't say how the mass was done, but you know certain things like the candles and and whatnot, and a lot of different places were laying claim to those attributes. Yeah, yeah. Reading here, so yeah, um, in Germany, Austria, Poland, Bohemia, and Hungary, the Rorate Mass was celebrated daily through the whole period of Advent. Oh wow. Um, uh, this was forbidden, of course, on the more solemn feasts. If saying, if the saying of this mass would cause a conventional mass or a mass of precept to be omitted, yeah. So I mean, it's it's certainly been in multiple cultures, and there's actually I don't know if you were reading this as well, Mike. That um, there's also the custom in Austria, Switzerland, and Germany that families walked in the dark of the early morning carrying lamps, candles, or later flashlights to church where mass was celebrated and favorite Advent hymns were sung. Uh, this tradition is also alive in modern Poland. However, depending on local custom, it is celebrated either either in the early morning or in the late evening of Advent weekdays. Cool. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, really cool. Also, yeah, an interesting, another interesting point. Um, as a rule, this is neat. The Blessed Sacrament was exposed at the same time during a Rorate Mass. I read that too. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. And it was still happening in places even into the 1960s. Yeah. Which is interesting. There is the custom 
as well. Dom Garanger talks about this, that um, at the uh, at the conclusion of the Rarate Mass, there was the custom of singing three times the antiphon, Ecce Dominus Veniant. After the last gospel, the priest and ministers, if it is a solemn high mass, goes to the center of the altar. He then intones the antiphon three times, after which the antiphon is continued by those present. Um, each intonation is begun at a hi- at higher pitch than the previous one. I don't know if you know of a specific time in the church's year when this happens, but it hearkens to Good Friday. So this this mirrors the uh, threefold Ecce Lignum Crucis on Good Friday, and the threefold Alleluia at the Easter Vigil. So it's it's neat how it connects that. Yeah. So the text of the Antiphon reads, Ecce Dominus Veniet et Omna Sancti Eius Cum Eo, et Eret in Die Ile Lux Mania Alleluia. Behold, the Lord will come, and with him all his saints, and on that day there shall be a great light. Alleluia. I think that's beautiful, you know, yeah. to to sing that. Behold, the Lord will come. Behold, the Lord will come. Behold, the Lord will come. I think I think we need to bring that back. I I don't know. I feel like we should talk to Father John and see if we can. <laughs> but uh, I mean, that might sound absolutely terrible hearing him go up <laughs> in intonation. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> but yeah. Here's a question. Did they do the Rarate Chaley Mass in the Novus Ordo? So I did read about that. But has you- uh, Father John done it? So he did it. However, it's different. So with it, they still wear the violet vestments and the readings are taken from the day. They're not specifically taken from like a, a votive mass for Our Lady, which is okay. weird. Like, I feel like they need to do it, but mm-hmm. yeah, for all the uh, areas that Novus Ordo rubrics are really loose in this area, they're too strict to allow you to do a vote of mass of our lady yeah during advent yeah you still have to wear the violet even though it's no longer a penitential season Mm -hmm. figure that out (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know if you can hear but i'm staring at the camera waiting for an answer i don't know if my stare came through on the audio Mm -hmm. there's a uh there's a need to not aim it at me, but aim it up to to Paul the Six and get him to answer it. So <laughs> I hope this isn't uh, random. In my research, I stumbled across a one Peter five article, and maybe you guys read it as well. Yeah, I did. Okay, so I'm going to read a little blurb from it, and we'll link this in the show notes. After an absence of more than forty years the Arate Mass returned to the Diocese of Charlotte during Advent 2012. And part of me was kind of sad when I read that. So at one point it had been there, and then 40 years it had been gone. And it was with the, and the FSSP is the fraternity that brought it back. Yeah. Yeah, it's another little tradition that died 
with the Novus Ordo essentially. Right. Yeah. I, um, I think it's unfortunate. And I mean, I think we've already talked about this before, um, multiple times, probably ad nauseum, but I think the sad reality with the Novus Ordo is that it, in so many ways, in its attempts to reach out to those who are not within the fold of the one Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church, in essence, in its overemphasis, and I mean that intentionally, overemphasis of the the events of our Lord's life really did essentially take take Our Lady and just kind of pushed her more to the side, and in a way, in my in my opinion, like it was a real misunderstanding of these Marian feasts. It was as if they thought, you know what, it takes away from the focus of Christ. But I mean, look at the beauty of these Rorate Chaley masses. It it points to Christ. Every ounce of it is a proclamation of the coming incarnation of the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, from the fact that it's done before dawn, you know, and the dawn comes up during the mass and fills the church with light. I mean, that that is directly what what the church has always intended to do with these these feasts of our lady it it honors her yes but it's always pointed to christ it's always yeah. made you worship the lord and um yeah i don't i i just think it's it's stupid like even in the uh in the liturgy of the hours they can't get away with just honoring Our Lady, like like the responses in the um, what's it called uh, in the invitatory or invitatory. Um, sorry, invitatory sounds terrible. Invitatory is precious. <laughs> but yeah, like whenever there's a feast of Our Lady, it it has to make mention of Christ. Um, it can, it can't just focus on, on the theme of our lady herself, unlike the old, uh, liturgy of the hours, the old divine office where it had no problem honoring Mary in those, in those times. So I don't know. It just, can't let it be implicit, right? Yeah, exactly. There's so much more of an emphasis on nothing can offend the Protestants yeah. You know, we always have to act like the Protestants are looking in the windows trying to catch us like worshiping Mary or something. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. So and if they see us celebrating a like a Marian feast day with candles in the dark, they're gonna think we're a cult. Yeah. Wait till they see it at uh, the Easter Vigil. Segue into what I was going to say right there. (laughs) Yeah, so I was talking to Mike and I was saying how, you know, reading through the description of the, of how the Mass was said with, with only the candles, 
and how it kind of echoes what we see at the Easter vigil with only the candles and things starting in the dark. But then at the the consecration, you know, it's like this huge triumphant display and all the lights come on and all the statues are unveiled. and At the Gloria, it, you mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. At the Gloria. Sorry. But yeah, it was just a really beautiful thing to to think about. Just, yeah. Although it happens it. gradually, unlike on... Um, but it, it's a, kind of the same idea, right? Yeah. But but at the Rabati Mass, it stays always in candlelight. But then at the Easter Vigil, like it starts as candles and then lights and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of different, right? Because, I mean, really, originally, the Easter Vigil would have been done similarly to what the Rarate has done, right? It would have been done in the early, early hours of the morning leading up to dawn. And not at nighttime? No. The 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 nighttime thing, like when it is now, it's like even if it starts at eight or nine o'clock, that's considered early compared to what it used to be in the Middle Ages. Um okay. Yeah. I mean they had they had pushed it though. Like it had been it had been pushed back to like noon or something on oh. on holy saturday because people were fasting <laughs> so you know and doing black fasts so right. they wanted to you know make it a little bit a little bit easier on people and so they pushed it back but yeah having it later at night yeah and and before dawn was was the ideal right and then you oh, would have okay. and then you would have the mass at dawn um, right. Like there would okay. just be constantly like these. What is it? Three different masses: mass at dawn, mass like the Easter vigil, the mass at dawn, and then yeah, I think there's another one. I don't know. See, uh, even oh. more so, if if they were to be done the same way, it would definitely echo. They would definitely echo each other even more. Yeah. Was that a fifty-five thing? The moving of the vigil. I think that was, yeah. I'm not sure. It's. I'll have to. I'll have to look in the missile. I didn't bring my missile with me tonight. You know what? I'll find. I'm gonna find this out. I'm gonna be right back. Yeah. So, the solemn Easter vigil service for which Pius the Twelfth gave permission in 1951 and made obligatory in 1956 is intended to show liturgically how life and grace flow to us from the death of our Lord. Um, yeah, before the changes instituted by Pius XII, the Easter Vigil service was held on Holy Saturday morning. Um, the part of the service devoted to the blessing of fire and entry into a dark sanctuary had not anticipated nor been adapted to modern lighting. So, starting in 51 uh, on an experimental basis and then permanently in 56 Pius XII introduced the Easter vigil a new celebration of Easter night so it was pushed even before holy saturday morning or um, before noon it was done yeah apparently it says holy saturday morning i read it was like noonish somewhere but that's wild right I mean, we think the uh, 4 p.m. vigil masses today are bad. It seems like quite an abuse pushing it all the way to 
the previous morning. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it was, I think in response to the, those effeminate dudes who couldn't handle fasting from Holy Thursday night to, cause I mean, that's how they would do it. They would go hard. They would go Holy Thursday all the way to vigil, right? With nothing black fasts. So it was, it was, it was a marathon. So same fast. Pardon? I get a headache just thinking of it that I'm such a wuss. I have to just lay down. I'd have to just do nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that pathetic? (laughs) I think we're all in that place, Brooke. Pardon me? I think we're all in that same place. I don't think any of us would do very well at that. We should be. We should get really good at fasting. Um, (laughs) Random side note, if you ever want to hear some crazy fasting stories that aren't Catholic, look up breatharianism. (laughs) Nuts. It killed people. We'll just put it that way. (laughs) Long story short. Breatharianism. Breatharianism. The whole the whole belief of breatharianism is that you can receive your sustenance from the sun, not from physical food. And uh some some kind of talk about like receiving your sustenance from your chi. It's nuts. Anyway. Um it killed people. Okay. <laughs> it literally I killed why. people. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the Rurate Chelly Mass is absolutely stunning. And um, if you have an opportunity to go this Advent, Brooke, you should definitely go. And yeah, that's just my opinion. And yeah, especially if you're uh, within driving distance of St. Thomas, come here, Mass with our Scola. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's absolutely stunning. It. It's a it's a fantastic opportunity, especially if you want to introduce someone uh, to the traditional Latin Mass. You know, I think beauty is what captivates souls, especially right now. You know, there's so much garbage in the church. You know, by people in the church and in the world, and a real authentic experience of beauty. I think is is really what could lead souls to Christ. And um, yeah, like, do you agree with that, Mike? I don't know. Um, I don't remember who was saying it recently, but I heard someone say something about this and it was really profound, basically that uh, almost everyone enters the church through either truth or beauty, but that the vast majority of people are drawn in by beauty because basically the door of truth is a narrow door that's mostly open to scholars and academics and people who can actually study theology and study all the evidence and stuff like that. But the common person is usually drawn in by the beauty of the church's rites and teachings. I thought that was really like, it's simple and it seems obvious once you hear it, but it's profound. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think from my experience, like it's been those moments of um, 
real encounters with the beauty of of Christ and the church, you know, things like Eucharistic adoration and things like that, um, that keep me Catholic, that kept me Catholic when things got rough. Um, because, you know, you look at everything else, the, the failings of, of Christians and, and whatnot, and it, and it can get, it can get discouraging. So, you know, I think there's something to be said about being captivated by the beauty of Christ, that it compels you to, to pursue virtue and continue, um, you know, following the Lord in those, in those times of, of difficulty. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening today. Thank you to my uh, jocular co-hosts, Mike and Brooke. And uh, I'm very grateful for you guys. And I'm looking forward to this coming Christmas where we will not let the government shut us down and we'll celebrate together. And uh, to all of our, our friends listening, uh, especially to our VIBs, uh, we th- we say thank you uh, for joining us again for another podcast. If you aren't yet, uh, please, we'd love for you to subscribe to subscribe uh, on uh, wherever you're listening: iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, um, Apple Podcasts, wherever. So, um, also we're on social media. Um, you can find us at Theology of the Buddy on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and you can find all of our all of our past show notes and episodes at theologyofthebuddy.com. Uh, next week, I believe Mike and I might be getting together again for a Sons of Thunder reacts, uh, where we talk about Orlando Hall and the question of the death penalty. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to be responding in particular to a friend of mine, a Catholic youth minister and, uh, super popular dude who I love. Um, but who made a post recently stating some pretty erroneous stuff. (laughs) So we're going to react to that together. So let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, boy. Okay. We'll see you next week. And until then. Stay Stay tracking.